Welcome to Health System CIO's interview with Kristen Myers, Executive Vice President and Chief Information Officer with Mount Sinai Health System and Dean of Digital and Technology. I'm Anthony Guerra, Founder and Editor-in-Chief. Kristen, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Anthony, for having me. All right, very good. You want to start off, uh, tell us a little bit about your organization and your role. Sure. So Mount Sinai Health System uh, was created from a merger of Mount Sinai Medical Center and Continuum Health Partners in 2013. It comprises of eight hospital campuses in the New York metro area and also the Icahn School of Medicine. Uh, so around $9.3 billion in revenue and, you know, we have 43,000 employees. You know, my role is uh, Chief Information Officer and uh, Dean of Digital and Technology and, you know, I am continually looking at optimizing and modernizing and really innovating uh, so that, you know, we can enable the health system's mission and also increase our competitive advantage in the marketplace. So, you know, I've got a wide uh, scope of responsibilities that really span uh, digital enablement, cybersecurity, uh, enterprise data and analytics, uh, innovation, uh, informatics. Uh, service delivery, applications, uh, the cloud infrastructure, and also the IT program management office. So anything technology related uh, falls into my purview. Very good. Excellent. All right. Well, um, what caught my eye was a, a press release that went out um, for some very interesting uh, topics in it. Um, it has to do with a company called Sandbox AQ, uh, Quantum Tech AI. Uh, it's a collaboration. You're launching post-quantum cryptography solutions. I was kind of blown away by that. I hadn't seen a lot of things come out around that that kind of topic. So I wanted to jump on the phone with you or Zoom, as it were. So what, what can you tell us about, if you want to start out by describing the issue that that then this this is part of your solution to, what is the core problem that you this project relates to? Sure. So if you think about the amount of confidential information that health system have, such as PHI and you know, financial information, uh, that's protected today uh, with you know, encryption methods, traditional encryption methods, um, they can be broken very quickly as quantum computing develops. So you know, really, in theory, you know, a bad actor can you know, collect encrypted communication streams and then decrypt them uh, when they have this technology. And so that would be pretty harmful uh, for health systems, you know, around information like PHI or a social security number. And so, you know, the whole idea around this post-quantum cryptography is really around developing a system that's secure against um, you know, both quantum and classical computing. And so, you know, can interoperate with our existing uh, protocols and networks. So, you know, over the next year, you know, we're working with Sandbox to inventory and really assess all of the encryption methods that we're using in the health system and then identify, you know, methods that would be impacted uh, by quantum computing. And so they'll give us some options around that to address the risks. And, you know, we see this as, you know, quite a, a long-term partnership with them. Um, you know, this isn't a problem 
you know, for today, mm-hmm. but certainly is a problem uh, that will occur in, you know, the next three to five years. How does something like this get initiated? Is this uh, you initiating it saying there's an issue here and I'm going to move forward with, with addressing it or did it surface from, from somewhere else in the organization? Yeah, it actually surfaced from somewhere else in the organization. You know, Mount Sinai is known as, you know, extremely innovative. And, you know, when, you know, Sandbox, you know, contacted our organization, you know, we we did a review. You know, we we looked at, you know, what was the marketplace like? You know, what problems were we trying to solve? You know, the White House had just actually released a memo around uh, quantum computing and readiness of, you know, federal agencies around uh, this exact problem. So if you think about, you know, we're an academic medical centre, you know, we uh, work very closely, you know, with the NIH, um, you know, it's a matter of time before, you know, this type of technology, um, you know, needs to be adopted uh, with AMCs. So we thought it was a great idea uh, to at least uh, start the process and mm-hmm. learn uh, with an organization like Sandbox, um, you know, who are extremely innovative as well. So you think this is going to be at some point within the next few years, sort of a stakes to play kind of technology on the security side? Yes. Yes. Have you, uh, do you know if, if what's your sense of what percentage of health systems are starting down this road? Do you think you're sort of on the cutting edge here or do you think there's a general movement to address this? No, I think, you know, we're probably, you know, one of the early adopters around this who, you know, are really, you know, looking at this. And, you know, I think it goes back to, you know, the fact that, again, we're an innovative organization as an AMC, but we also have a CISO from outside of industry. And, you know, he's able to, you know, really bring, you know, best practices and, you know, he looks at technology in a very different way. And, you know, he he was very excited about, you know, partnering with Sandbox, as was I, and, you know, thought that, you know, long term in terms of our cybersecurity maturity, uh, that it's important for us to start looking at some of these novel technologies. You mentioned um, Rishi Tripathi, who mm-hmm. started as your CISO in May 2021. So May of last year, been there about a year. Yes. Uh, comes from outside of healthcare. So that's interesting, right? You're, you're, were you sort of the head person in charge of that hire? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So yeah. What were your thoughts there? And when you were making that selection process, it's easy to sort of play it safe, so to speak, or maybe it's not even playing it safe these days to go from inside of healthcare. You decided to go outside. What was your thought process? What were you looking for? Yeah. So, you know, when I became CIO two years ago, it was clear to me, you know, we needed, you know, a more mature cybersecurity capability. I think that, you know, as we invest more as part of our overall digital transformation, you know, you look at other industries who've already gone through this, like retail and finance, and, you know, their investment in cybersecurity is much higher than traditionally healthcare uh, has invested. And so, you know, from my perspective, 
you know, I wanted to make sure we had a very strong and capable CISO. And, you know, that was, you know, really what I was focused on. I looked at, you know, leaders in healthcare and leaders outside of healthcare. I wanted to make sure that, you know, whoever we brought in had, you know, tremendous cybersecurity experience, a very proactive risk management mindset, Mm -hmm. and was a business leader as well, not just a technology leader. It was important that they could speak appropriately, you know, to our business stakeholders and partners, communicate the importance of cybersecurity, and make sure that, you know, cybersecurity is not seen as an impediment to the business. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, he's made tremendous progress in less than a year. He's significantly matured our cybersecurity program since he's joined. And, you know, I, I think he's an amazing leader and, you know, happy that, you know, we were able to uh, find someone of that caliber. Did you have a specific plan to get him um, familiarized with the healthcare environment? Because that would be his learning curve. He would know um, sort of the cybersecurity stuff, but you would want to familiarize himself with the nuances of healthcare. I've heard other CISOs talk about rounding. Um, yes. that they, you know, being in the, you know, go to Gemba type thing, be in the facilities um, to get a sense. I've heard CISOs talk about the importance of even, and this has to do with remote work versus coming into the office, with, with talk about the importance of even security personnel coming in to the facility to be connected to the patient care mission, to understand what they're securing so they feel connected to it. What are your thoughts around that? And the idea of, again, familiarizing someone who's not in healthcare with the healthcare environment. Yeah, no, I'm a big believer in rounding. And, you know, Rishi uh, certainly has come on site. He's rounded in the clinical areas, as has the cyber team. And, you know, he also, you know, worked, you know, tremendously hard to create relationships, whether it was with the presidents of the hospitals, uh, whether it was, you know, with our research community, um, you know, our school of medicine, you know, he he really has, um, you know, made a tremendous effort uh, to learn about the business and, you know, form those relationships. And he's done extremely well. Now, you seem to me uh, like a, uh, you know, every CISO is going to have a different level of comfort and familiarity with cybersecurity. Um, you seem to me like someone who's got extreme confidence, knowledge in the cybersecurity area, somewhere you're very comfortable playing. I would imagine that there's a scale for CISOs. Some are less, some are more higher the CISO and then hands off. Um, But what are your thoughts on the optimal CIO-CISO relationship? Yeah, I think the key is trust. Um, You know, I, I trust him. I think that he has the ability to you know, proactively identify risks before they become issues. Uh, He, you know, resolves, you know, any issues that we see on a timely basis and he escalates to me when appropriate. Um, You know, I think that he has a great balance in terms of, you know, from the strategy perspective that he and I work on together, but he's able to, you know, really deep dive into issues um, 
so that ability to to do that, I think, is extremely important uh, for me. I I think cybersecurity is you know one of my number one priorities. Um, you know, a few years ago, I went and did a CISO certification at Carnegie Mellon, uh, so that and it was a six month uh, course. I felt that it was important for me to understand, you know how we would improve our security risk posture and what we needed to focus on. So I think the CIO also needs to, you know, have some background and education in cybersecurity because it's a really complex area. And, you know, I think, you know, making sure that the CIO is still involved, make sure that, you know, you're assisting to drive resolution um, and you have to stay aware of cyber trends and most importantly, be a champion for cybersecurity to get the support and the funding and ultimately uh, the compliance in the organization. So uh, I'm a big champion of cybersecurity. Some, I mean, is there a dynamic sometimes where the CIO, especially if they have innovation under their belt, you have digital under their belt, um, could you have a CIO sort of pushing things forward and the CISO being the one that has to make sure security is injected. Um, but you probably would never want a situation where a CIO is not thinking about security as much as they should. That's probably no. not optimal. No, it's not optimal. Uh, to me, uh, you have to move quickly with mm -hmm. digital, but you always have to make sure you're secure. You know, right. you can't be putting out products uh, to our patients that that are not secure or, you know, have a risk in, in some way, shape or form. And so, you know, there is a balance. Um, but as I said, you know, my aim with the cybersecurity program is to ensure we're not an impediment uh, to the business and, um, you know, speed to market and growth. And, you know, so making sure that we have the appropriate procedures, we can escalate, we can prioritise and make sure that, you know, we're really focused on, you know, what is going to reduce risk for, you know, our patient-facing applications or products. I think they have to be a high priority in any cyber uh, reviews, and, and they are. So time is an issue, but you need a certain amount of time to review applications that are requested. So uh -huh. there's, it's going to take some time, but sure. you don't want it to be excessive, right? You don't want it to be seen as this black hole where we make a request for an application and we don't hear back for six months. Right, right. right? And, you know, the way that you do that is by maturing your third-party risk management program. And, you know, it comes sometimes down to resources. It comes down to... Uh, processes and, you know, ensuring that you're prioritizing accordingly. And, you know, we also use Beyond Trust. And so that also has, um, you know, vendors that have already been um, pre-certified. Mm -hmm. Now, that helps us in, you know, our uh, clinical and corporate world. It doesn't necessarily help us for our research world, where we get a number of applications that, you know, are extremely novel. Um, that, you know, we need to be able to, you know, turn around quickly um, so that we're not, impediment, we're not an impediment to uh, the research moving forward. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a balance. Yeah. 
Um, do you want to talk about um, maybe a couple of things that you're working on? And this could be on the, uh, the security side, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Just a couple of the big picture things that you're working on. Sure. So um, non-security related, you know, we took a step back and, you know, started looking at our overall uh, digital uh, roadmap uh, for the next three years. I think that, you know, we have, you know, a number of digital capabilities, but looking at it from a different perspective, from an experience perspective for our patients and employees and ensuring that, you know, we're having more of a seamless and frictionless experience. Uh, so that has been an ongoing initiative for, you know, the last six to seven months uh, where, you know, we've really taken a look at our, you know, technology um, you know, our foundation, um, our application portfolio, and, you know, what are the products that we want to develop that we believe uh, will differentiate ourselves in the marketplace? So that is, and it has been a huge priority for us. I think secondly, uh, cybersecurity uh, has, is always going to be, um, you know, a priority in this organization. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, maturing our capabilities, making sure we can recruit the right talent uh, for the organization. And I think, you know, our engagement with Sandbox is an example of us being able to, you know, improve existing capabilities, but proactively address a concern that could grow in the future. Um, look, I think that the trends in cyber, you know, continue to be disturbing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the Ukraine-Russia situation, um, you know, there are many cyber risks um, that, you know, present themselves. And I think that, you know, making sure that, um, you know, we're monitoring that very carefully. And then, you know, the next generation technologies. And, you know, we think about, you know, our migration to the cloud. And we, it presents a risk and an opportunity uh, simultaneously. And, you know, we need to make sure that that entire transition that we're also going through with Microsoft, um, you know, that we we manage it carefully from a security standpoint. Uh, you mentioned about, uh, you know, looking at your digital roadmap and it made me think of governance. Um, mm -hmm. It's a, hugely, it's everything, right? Because as they say, there's a million things you can do, but there's a, uh, but there's a finite amount you can do is a finite amount you can afford to do. So do you want to talk to a little bit about your governance process and the importance of having a sound governance process so you stay in lockstep with what the business really wants? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I think that, you know, the health system strategy has to drive, you know, any of the work that is going on in the technology organization. So it's important to align that at all times. So our, our sponsor for all of the digital work is our president and COO. And, you know, who oversees the strategy uh, for the organization. And, you know, we make sure that, you know, the digital structure that, you know, we are uh, now putting up is in alignment with, you know, the existing structures that are already in place. So we have a business innovation uh, council um, and we want to make sure that we're not replicating some of the work that goes on. Uh, within those councils. So we created a, a digital portfolio 
review uh, process. And we also created a number of committees and, you know, rationalized, uh, quite frankly, a number of committees that were out there um, because, you know, you don't want to have, um, you know, conflicting charters or, or missions uh, for, for the committee. So governance is extremely important. You know, we've gone through this process and now we're standing up our structure uh, that has been, you know, reviewed by the executives of the organization and they're very supportive of it. And you mentioned the cloud um, and I've heard uh, CISOs discuss the idea that um, maybe there's some things that need to stay on-prem. Um, so what are your thoughts around, around the cloud? There's all different types of cloud arrangements you can have. Um, so there are many options there. And then again, the idea that some things may not belong in the cloud at all. Uh, right. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, so, you know, we recently, um, you know, formed a strategic relationship with Microsoft to move, you know, the majority of our application portfolio, um, you know, off campus to the cloud. And, you know, you're right, there are some some areas that, you know, shouldn't move to the cloud. So a great example would be, you know, our supercomputing infrastructure. Um, you know, we're not going to move that to the cloud anytime soon, probably not even in the next five years, that's going to remain on premise. Um, there are also applications that, you know, we can't move to the cloud. Um, you know, they're not ready. Uh, they're not cloud ready. And, you know, we're using cloud as uh, infrastructure as a service. So, um, and then that you've got other vendors that are software as a service uh, that we're working with, such as an Oracle or um, a UKG. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I see that, you know, there are multiple buckets, um, but you're right, there are going to be some uh, applications that ultimately don't move to the cloud. And, you know, we'll continue to have an on-premise data center um, that, you know, they will be located in. Yeah, it's like it's like when everybody wanted to get rid of paper completely, that didn't quite work, right? Yes. I mean, it still hangs around. And right. the same thing with the data center, right? Well, there's the dream for a little bit of everything's going in the cloud, but but maybe not. Exactly. I mean, we'll have a hybrid model and, uh, you know, like most, most organizations. Uh, Speaking of hybrid, let's talk a little bit about workforces, hybrid remote workforces. I think everyone is working through this to uh, get folks back in the office a certain amount of time, perhaps not every day, but uh, some sort of arrangement. Where do you stand on that? And what do you have an overarching philosophy um, about having folks in or maybe not? Yeah, we we have a very uh, flexible work environment. Um, you know, the majority of our team is actually working remotely. Um, you know, I'm in the office, uh, you know, at least four to five days a week. Um, and, you know, some of our leadership team is. I think that for certain projects, uh, it's great when people can meet on site and, you know, really work together to solve a problem. Sometimes it's difficult on Zoom um, to get that traction. But overall, um, you know, my philosophy is, you know, flexible working environment. And, you know, I think that that's that's there to stay. 
Uh, I know that uh, not everyone agrees. I know that, you know, some hospitals have, you know, brought in um, the team members uh, to work sometimes three or four days a week. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we'll um, be adopting a policy like that in the future. You know, when I talk to people about this, I I hear a lot of of what you just said about uh, executives saying, well, I come in, right? I come in four or five days a week, but a lot of folks don't that are maybe lower down on the on the ladder, so to speak. Could that create a problem long term of a two tier type thing? I mean, if all executives want to come in a lot, but they don't need their teams to come in a lot. Do you see any issues there? You know, I I personally like to see people. Yeah. I think it really comes down to, you know, traditionally how you've worked also. Mm-hmm. Um I I like to be able to, you know, pop over to, you know, some of my peers and, you know, talk to them for five minutes rather than trying to set up a meeting that could take three weeks to get on the Exhausting, right? right? So I think that, you know, for me personally, but at the same time, I don't want to impose what Mm -hmm. works for me Mm -hmm. uh, necessarily uh, to, you know, the entire team. What I hear from the feedback in, from my team is they really appreciate the flexibility. Mm-hmm. So if they want to come in, and they certainly do, um, you know, many team members do come in, um, but there are others that, you know, can't come in. You know, either, you know, they may have, you know, a health issue, they don't want to get on the subway or the train uh, necessarily, um, you know, especially as, you know, the rates are increasing. Yeah. Yep. So we just got uh, our, our alert raised here in New York City. So I, I think that, you know, flexibility is really important. Um, and you have to also get the feedback from your team. Yeah. And, and I spoke to another, uh, it was a CISO who was really good with remote work, no problem, but said, if we have an incident, if there's a breach, and I think then I may want the team together on site to, mm-hmm. to work through do you do you see it that way where okay we can have flexibility but if there's an issue there's as you mentioned sometimes you can't have the interaction on zoom that you need you need to get people in a room to and we work did through. we did that yeah. recently yeah that's a great example i mean we've got epic hospital billing mm-hmm. uh, that is underway as you can imagine you've got you know many parties you've got you know the finance team you've got epic wisconsin You've got our our team, you know, and then you've got, you know, other groups from operations. And so, you know, we've we've been bringing team members in um, and, you know, working, you know, together on specific issues or decisions that need to be made. Um, And we found that, you know, in that particular case, you know, people were solving issues, you know, quite rapidly mm-hmm. um, when it would take much more time on Zoom. Right. So I think for specific projects and for specific yeah. circumstances, it definitely makes sense. So everyone has to be reasonable, right? If you get flexibility so. as an employee, you get lots of flexibility. But when we need you here, come on in. Yeah. We also have uh, remote team members out of state now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's, you know, the one um you know, advantage that, you know, we were able to recruit uh, team members from all over the country. But when you have that circumstance, when people are permanent remote workers, you cannot, you know, ask them to come in. Um, 
you know, right. they live in out in California. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, again, I go back to flexibility, mm-hmm. listen to your team, listen to what they're saying, uh, get the feedback from them and what's important to them. Yeah, so you're in New York City, so that's got its benefits. It's got its drawbacks. You have a lot of folks there. But again, having them all there is not as important as it used to be. You can hire people in California, but people in California can hire people in New York. Right. That's so exactly it's right. a double-edged sword, right? That's so, exactly right. I mean, overall, what is being in New York, uh, what are the, the positives and the challenges there? Yeah, look, I think that um, New York is is recovering. I think that um, it's changed the way, though, people work. You know, I saw a newspaper article um, in the last few days where it said, you know, only 8% of, you know, office workers are coming in regularly, mm-hmm. like, you know, a three to four, five-day work week. Right. So I think that's really changed um, the city. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way that people used to commute in and spending their time. Um, on the other hand, I think that, you know, it's given people that flexibility. So, you know, you can take your child to school, you can pick them up, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, again, I go back to, you know, flexibility is really important to us. Well, that's about all I had for you today. I would like to give you an opportunity for a final thought, a final piece of advice. Uh, it can be around the um, the sandbox deal. It can be anything in general. Just um, best tip you've got for your colleagues who are working through a lot of the same issues that you are. Sure. So I think, you know, to CISOs, I think, you know, make sure you're focusing on, you know, protecting the digital value of your organization and, you know, prioritize by protecting key revenue streams. And I think to CISOs, you know, get a great understanding of cybersecurity and stay stay vigilant, um, stay ahead of the curve as much as you can and invest in this area um, before it's too late. So I think the need for a mature and advancing cyber function is imperative. Um, you know, you have to keep your health system and your patients protected. Yeah, and I think your point about you going back and getting that that extra education, that six month certificate on cybersecurity as a C, a CIO, um, is a good message for your colleagues to say, hey, you might have a great CISO, but you still need to understand this stuff, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. All right, Kristen, thanks so much. Wonderful chat. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.